Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. This week, we have Stephanie's story of free birthing her twins. Stephanie speaks to how she would have much preferred to have been in the presence of midwives, but when she risked out from the licensed midwifery practice in Canada, she was backed into a corner. Either return to the hospital where she had been abused in her first birth, or stay home and have a normal, family-centered birth. And so she did just that. I was 21. I was quite young when I got pregnant with my first. Um, he was a surprise <laughs> to mm. both of us. Yeah, it was. It was, but it was exciting. We were really confident that this was gonna, this was going to be great for us. Um, and so I had done a Bradley a Bradley birth class, and I. Um, Around around that time, it was 2009 or 2010, sorry, when I was actually going to be having him. Um, midwives were just a very new regulated thing mm. in our province. Um, I didn't even know that we could have one at this point. No one told me. No one. <laughs> I had it, I had no idea. It was we have one. We have one hospital that you can birth at in wow. our city. Um, just one. It's like 200,000 people and one hospital. And it's a teaching hospital, um, which presents its own fun. Um, so I did my birth class. I knew I could do it. It would be great. Um, it was just, as young as I was, I was fairly confident that this is what would happen. And my body was meant to do it. I would breastfeed and away we would go. So I went to the hospital. Um, I carried him to... Just about 41 weeks, and it was it was tough. It was the middle of July, and it was hot. Mm. And yeah, it was super uncomfortable. I had been offered induction left and center, but we just kind of helped drum. And so around 41 weeks, my water broke, and there was meconium, um, which in hindsight, not a big deal. Right. You don't know. Knowing well, exactly. When it was my first, I had no real knowledge of birth, aside from what my class told me in handouts. Um, and so I panicked a little bit. So I went to the hospital quite early. My contractions had started within 15 minutes of my water breaking. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, my births are crazy. <laughs> and so my contractions started, it was like the movies, it was just away we go mm -hmm. so I went to the hospital got to the hospital they slowed down of course um they slowed down I had cervical checks whatever it was about three centimeters but they wanted me there because we were 41 weeks I was a first-time mom there was an opinion all of that so we got checked in things start clipping along pretty good and contractions were manageable I was doing 
my breathing and everything it was going pretty well I think I managed I got to like six or seven centimeters fairly quickly especially for a first time mom it Mm -hmm. was maybe a couple hours like between the water breaking um and then nurse Rhonda (laughs) came in and uh, I've never felt more demeaned Mm. or stupid in my life that when she looked at me and she's like why are you doing this I was like, well, it, it's good for the baby. And she's like, but you wouldn't have your teeth pulled without medication. Whoa. Right? Floored. But as a 21-year-old, I'm... Yeah, and she's that- a caretaker role. I mean, it's it's bullshit. It's so manipulative. It's awful, right? And that line has worked on hundreds of mothers. Oh, yeah. No, that, hundreds of thousands of mothers. Honestly. And at one point I heard her walking away saying, babies having babies. And I just Ew. Right. Like I just felt so awful. Which by the way, you're in the most primo age, right? To to have normal birth. Ready to go. Yeah. So it was just it was textbook hospital birth right like cervical exams from 15 different people uh it was just awful so I took the epidural Mm -hmm. while I was of course right because I'm feeling like I'm doing this wrong they're telling me I'm wrong um and I had family there who was scared it was a first time birth and Mm-hmm. My family that was around me was they're scared of birth, and that's just the way it was. Um, so I took the epidural. They gave me Demerol without my consent. Damn. So, right, like just check off everything. How did you know they gave you Demerol without your consent? I started feeling loopy. Oh wow! I was like, why do I feel dizzy? Like I don't feel good. And they're like, oh, we just gave you something to calm you down. <gasps> oh my god! I, like, this hospital is just I mean this is not unique at all you know unfortunately I've seen I've I've seen women you know who I saw a woman once who her baby uh, they wanted to whisk her baby away uh, to the NICU but we couldn't really figure out why and no one was talking to her and the mom asked and 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 said you know don't take my baby like what's going on and the doctor nodded to the anesthesiologist and before we know it something went in her veins and she went unconscious no oh yeah I mean so you know we can collectively be so angry for all of these stories it is so so fucked up oh it's just okay so they drug you without letting you know wow yeah yeah so basically we've gone back 50 years drugging me um and so i get the epidural oh i don't feel a thing great we have a nap uh, a couple hours later, I'm checked again. Oh, you're 10 centimeters. We might as well start pushing. Mm-hmm. Well, they upped my epidural so I couldn't feel literally anything. Like, we're all of us are turned and watching the screen. Oh, contraction. Okay, start pushing. And so I'm purple pushing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not working because I'm flat on my back, legs up in the air. And so it's 
taking too long. It's like 90 minutes. Which, I mean, is pretty remarkable if you're flat on your back and have an epidural. And a first-time mom, 90 minutes isn't anything. Oh, it's nothing. Yeah, it's normal. Right? No. And, and so they need a vacuum. Mm. To get the vacuum, they have to cut me. So episiotomy, without my consent, I learned all this after. Um, episiotomy and the vacuum. And my son came out. And he had Demerol in his system. Mm. So he's not breathing, right? I mean, even if he's not breathing right away, it's fine. Give him a minute. Right, um, but he was born on drugs. But he was born on Demerol. Ugh. So he was old. And he was nine and like nine pounds, two ounces. So he was large in their eyes. Um, so he was whisked away. I didn't see him. Oh. Yeah, it was just, it was awful. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I've done a lot of work. And my, my birth, that younger one after, all led me to the healing from that birth. And, um, but, it's not, but it's not okay, right? Like, it's not okay. of course, but like, yes, we can do work. Yes, we can heal. And yes, we can know better, do better and all of that. But it's just, it's just so sad. Yeah, it's awful. And it's, it's it. <laughs> what they do to women sometimes. Um, yeah. And that, that's so why that's these, that's why sharing your story is so important because you, by somebody or multiple women, you know, will hear this and this will be the final straw that they don't go, you know, to a place of torture and abuse. And, you know, so thank you because I know these stories aren't easy to tell and I know it's painful to tune back into them and to sit with it. Um, and, you know, this is how we can help and protect our future women yeah it's important to know how birth is treated in the institution and how it's treated at home where it's normal so when, it's when so when you leave that hospital birth how aware are you of how um you know like how abusively you were just treated or or was it like oh that's birth well that's the thing it was it was a slow process of a couple months after um my poor bottom was so sore For oh my me, god I bet it was awful with my recovery was mm. just and so eventually I started looking into birth and watching more birth videos and reading more birth stories and it was just a slow light bulb Going from dim all the way to bright and being like, holy shit, I was abused. I was, yeah. I was manipulated. I was worked by the system to be their perfect birthing mother, right? Like their uh-huh. ideal, yep, just lay back, let us do what we need to do and ship you out. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a slow a slow process to come to it but yeah. once it did hit then this fire started and I was just mad and so then by the time we were pregnant with our second child two years later it was like oh oh hell no <laughs> you'll never get me back there yeah not a chance um yeah so by and then, how many I, years how many years later is your second 
my second was 2014. So I was three. My son was three and a half when we were pregnant. We start. Okay. So you, you become pregnant with your second child and you know, yeah. I was abused. No way in hell. But what's the climate with midwives in your area at this time? Well, so midwives are becoming more and more of a thing. Um, but at that point, the midwives we have, we only have a handful. Like we may, we have under six, seven full time for a population our size. So they're turning away probably 60 to 70 percent hmm. of the women that request their care. And they have a checklist that you have to meet. Um, they're regulated by the obstetrician. Right, totally. They're going to be sad, right? Um, so it is what it is. So I, I managed to get in with our second. I met the boxes and I, I got myself a midwife, which is great. I like the care was phenomenal. So it was up. There was some things that she kind of was like, I need you to do this. Mm-hmm. I need you to, need to check your weight this one time. <laughs> and then you can refuse every time after. So it was good. I had a lot of freedom that way. Um, but even, but even it, like uh, that, right? Like the way we have to compromise and make, like even that year, like we had a lot of freedom. It just says so much about the systems that women are birthing in, you know, that like a little, like a leash is something that we're trained to be grateful for when really your legal rights were not being honored if you wanted to decline every freaking single thing. Oh, absolutely. It's just it's so like nuts, have, man. got to do that if you want to keep me. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, okay. But, you know, it's such a good point of like coming from the last experience, it seems probably like angels are singing every time you're, you know, every time you're going in because it's because if we start with crumbs, if we start with being abused and freaking traumatized, then anything above that is we're, we're like going to be, you know, grateful for it. Like I, I, you know, I was in an abusive relationship for years and then the boyfriend I met after him, basically the fact that he just didn't abuse me, I was like, Oh my God, you're so amazing. Like my standards, you know, we're so low. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the perfect reference. It's crazy, man. Okay. Sorry. So yeah, so you're, Sorry, go ahead. So you're with the midwife. It's like fine. It's decent. Good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Everything's good. Yeah. So we ended up um, actually having to have the home birth at my mom's house. We we were in the process of moving to another city in our province. Um, so we were living at my mom's house actually for about three weeks before I had her. Just the overlap between having one house. And not wanting to lose my midwife because we were going to be moving to a smaller city that didn't have midwives. Um, there was no one underground there. There was nothing. It was the hospital. So I was. We stayed back, um, and ended up having a home birth at my mom's house. So we, I actually ended up carrying my daughter to the exact same day right it was awesome it was great my pregnancy was great I was feeling fabulous I was super confident in this birth I knew with every fiber of my being that my body would be fine there would be nothing wrong everything would be great um so we were just kind of puttering around and my water broke 
same thing kind of early afternoon, early evening. My water broke, contraction started, like, immediately with, like, a 10-minute contraction. It was insane. It was all not super fun. Uh. Um, yeah, so my water broke. That big contraction, I called the midwife, called the doula. He's like, okay, pretty sure it's time. Fairly certain. So I had texted our doula and was like, well, I'm not quite sure it's time mm-hmm. yet for you to come here. Like, I'm okay. I'm okay. You have kids at home. Just when you're ready, come over. And by that time, the apprentice midwife had been at our house for a little while and had checked me. And um, I was around six centimeters, which is subject. It doesn't really mean much. But things were clipping along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it started to get real. <laughs> it was about like five minutes after my water broke. And it it went down. Like I could feel my daughter's head mm. grinding in my pelvis. With and I could feel her wiggling. And I could feel her flexion. Mm. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, here she comes. Oh my gosh. I Lululemon pants on. And, my <laughs> mid- and she's like, if you don't take your pants off, I'm going to cut them. She came up behind me and tried to take my pants off. Whoa. And I, I turned around and swatted her. Nice. <laughs> no, no. That's weird. I, I know, right? I was like, give me a minute. A little heads up. And within two contractions, my daughter's head was crowning. And so I got on my knees and my husband was sitting on the bed holding my holding my elbows up. Um and then my daughter was born in one contraction. Hmm. She just yeah, she twisted and she flexed and I caught her and brought her up to my chest. And it was just it was such a healing, powerful moment mm. for me after the last birth where I wasn't I didn't even see my son for 45 minutes. Um, it was just incredible. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. So is there anything about that birth and your experience with that team that, well, I guess we're going to get there, but obviously I know yeah. that you then went on to free birth. So did you feel just completely euphoric and elated or was there like a piece that didn't sit right with you or no, it was great. It was every every part of it. The team respected me. They were not in my space. They were kind of, I mean, they were uh, as in my space as they had to be by their regulations. So, I mean, there was parts where they kind of got a little annoyed afterwards when I had breastfed her because they couldn't weigh her properly, um, which I was a little annoyed about. But coming from the birth that I had had before right. I was on cloud nine, everything was fine. I was in my own bed. We were, we were never separated. Um, which I mean, my standards were very low <laughs> at that point. Um, afterwards there were things I was not thrilled about. I was given oxytocin, uh, without knowing. Oh was, shit. Yeah. I was crowning. 
and it's just standard. Wait, she stabbed you when you were when you were crowning? Yeah, yeah. So talking after was stabbed <laughs> in the thigh. Yeah. While I'm and yeah, oh, I've never like, seen anyone do it during the birth. I've only seen people unconsentingly stab moms after the birth. Yeah. yeah did you no, like yeah. note? So did did you notice? No, no, God, holy shit, that's crazy. Wait. Yeah, no, I had no idea. I had no idea until after. I was Ugh. like, oh, these acid pains are like these are something else. And she's like, oh, that's that's the oxytocin. Oh, oh, okay. Oh my gosh! And they need to stop calling it oxytocin. It's not oxytocin. It's synthetic. I know you know, but I just like I think that's so stupid and it's such a misrepresentation. Like it's I'm sorry, it's not oxytocin. It is synthetic. Yeah. So, yeah, that was probably the biggest um, annoyance that we had. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, and then. Um, yeah, just uh, getting a little bit of shit, I guess, for breastfeeding my daughter before they had weighed her. Wow. I don't. Yeah, which was just kind of like, well, I don't care. You can, you can be upset all you want. I'm not going to unlatch her so that you can use her. God, it's just, yeah, I mean, th- these are exactly the stories that need to get said because it's, again, just not to beat a dead horse, but just to go back to when our first births are so gnarly, then when it's better, which inarguably, that's a better birth experience, yes, but oh my goodness, so much oh, yeah. disruption and, you know, I don't want to put words on your story, but I I, I would absolutely call someone administering, you know, drugs that absolutely affect your ability to have, you know, an undisturbed hormonal matrix with your baby, you know, without your consent, that is abuse. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's sad when that is the optimal birth experience right? with a professional here. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, that's as good as it can get. Right. Which is, it's that women deserve better. Well, and it sounds like everything about you and your husband and your baby was wonderful. Yeah. But yeah. like someone yeah. trying to take your pants off and then stabbing you with drugs? Go fuck yourself. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, no, that is not okay. Yeah. No, no, it's not. And when you have to experience that to all of a sudden be like why did I feel violated Mm -hmm. when it was this picture perfect experience or so you're told right right? um and all of a sudden you have to step back and be like well no no my feelings are valid I was violated I wasn't respected um I wasn't left alone to do what my body needed to do and it's it's not that it takes having to go through it yeah to light that spark of what the hell it really is just that we don't know and and it's painted as something uh it's billed as something that it's not 
Oh, totally. Like in our place, it's the rate that midwives actually accept people, which is ridiculous to be accepted. Mm-hmm. It's like this coveted thing. If you're mm-hmm. lucky enough to get a midwife, then you shut your mouth. Right. Because you were blessed enough to get that midwife. Oh, which is it's so sad. It is. It really is. And there's no other options. They've gone after our traditional birth attendants who are just trying to offer women an alternative. Yeah. Um, the College of Midwives is on it. They're on them. And yeah, it's unfortunate. Okay. So you have your second boo at home yeah. with, with the midwives and, and then, you know, kind of take me to the next thing. Yeah. So three years later, again, um, we find out we're pregnant. I had been feeling really pregnant from like the day after that we. <laughs> Isn't like, that funny how that can happen? Right? I'm like, there is someone in my womb. I know it. <laughs> You're like, it's not just us anymore, babe. <laughs> Don't worry. Get ready. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so I called my midwife at that point. They just did the standard. You have to call before you even tell your husband at where we live. You you have to call immediately. So I, I called. I got accepted into the program. Um, and then I had a little bit of a bleed at around nine weeks. And I had had a miscarriage between our first and our second. Um, I actually lost twins between our first and our second. Mm. And so I just, I, I really wanted to get an ultrasound just to check. I wanted to know if this was coming to take notes. Um, so I got my midwife to send over a referral for an ultrasound just to see. I just, I, I needed to know at that point. I needed to know if it was going to happen again, I guess. Um, and so I went in and I, I was fairly sure that everything was going to be okay. Um, I just kind of felt a little, I felt less scared, I guess, than I had with my other loss. And so I went in and I told my husband, like, you stay at work. It's fine. I'll just go. I'll call you after. Everything will be okay. And I go in and the ultrasound tech looks at me and she's like, really happy <laughs> right away. And she's like, I'm just going to turn the screen so you can see what I'm seeing. And immediately, I knew. Even at my meets, there was two perfectly round little sacks and two beating hearts. I was like, oh, holy fuck. <laughs> and I laughed and I swore like a sailor. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, what are we going to do? Yeah. Amazing. But also, yeah, of course, it's nuts. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Like I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> and so I called, I called my best friend, and I called my doula, and I was like, you got to see this. <laughs> this is awesome. And I immediately took my ultrasound picture, and I ran to my mom's house. My mom had twins for her third and fourth child as well, which is crazy. Um, so I showed her the picture and she laughed and she's like, well, buckle up. This is going to be fun. Yeah. 
yeah, we find out we're having twins. We're panicking a little bit, but we've, we've had two kids. So what could really, it'll be fine. Okay. So you do what you needed to do. You can, you know that you're having two littles and does that then rule you out of the home birth regulated situation? Oh yeah. Immediately. You get food. So quick. So I got the call from my midwife. Well, unfortunately I have to transfer you. Yeah. Which was heartbreaking. It was awful. Like I, I have quite a bit of trauma from my first birth. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like every time I go to, uh, I'm a doula. So every time I go to a birth in the hospital, I still get dizzy and it takes me a minute or two to just reground myself Mm -hmm. and be there to do my work. Mm. Uh, My God, returning to your place of trauma as a job, that's hardcore, man. It is. It's hard. And it's, but it's a blessing to be able to be there so that it doesn't happen. Have you just to now let's go on a tangent real quick, but have you in your doula work seen, because obviously, unfortunately the, uh, you know, forced into medication and then on your back vacuum and episiotomy is kind of par for the course for most births. Have you then seen that same thing happen on a woman you were supporting? Oh, actually, I saw it happen with the same doctor. Oof! wow. Oh, oh, oh it took me. It took me. Um, and that was probably one of the only births where I've stepped over my doula line that I try to hold where I don't, I don't speak for women. Um, I will, uh, I will blatantly look at them and be like, well, Dr. So-and-so has scissors in her hand and she, um, is ready to cut an episiotomy. Yeah, but you don't always get that time Would they move fast with those scissors. Oh, they are on it. They are on it. And that was the only time that I've ever stepped across that line and been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> she did not consent to that. She's told you numerous times she does not want that. Um, she was about, she had the, the um, injection ready to numb her uh-huh. for an episiotomy. And I was like, no, absolutely not. She said no. She said no. And then what happened? And then she glared at me and she talked. She ignored me and talked to the mother and Mm -hmm. was like, well, your baby's not fitting properly. Gross. You're going to tear. You're going to tear and it will be worse. Mm. And I mean, the mama, I, I don't know how she remained so calm, but she just kind of shut it down. And I think that that was also in its own way healing to be able to handle this stuff there wait so Um, she didn't get she didn't get cut no she didn't and it was I will chalk that up well (laughs) yeah and 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 I just want to kind of make the point between you and I here that you know I heard you say and I know that that duels are trained to uh, follow exactly what you just said of I don't speak for the mother and I try to be, you know, as diplomatic and, you know, oh, you, would you like this? Would you not? I see the scissors, all that kind of shit. But I love and I really want to highlight that when you didn't do that and you actually spoke up against someone who was about to abuse this woman you're walking with, um, 
you know, you were able to engage her in such a way and it worked out that time. You know, unfortunately, if you keep doing this game, you will also do bursts where they just totally coerce them into it and it's it's horrible and, you know, it'll happen and it's happened to plenty of bursts that I've been to, unfortunately. But um, I just, I think this is so important because I know so many duelists listen to this podcast and, you know, I'm just going to be very blunt. Fuck not speaking up for women. Like if I saw a woman who was about to be raped at a bar, would I not speak up because it, the rapist is a doctor, you know, or, or the owner of the bar. I don't know. I'm just making this up. Like, of course yeah. not. Like we, we have to speak up and there's a silencing that is happening in the doula community around witnessing abuse that is so disgustingly inappropriate and and so yes speak up and i love that you did and look what happened because of it you saved a woman from um or you helped a woman you know from from being cut in the way that you were um and so yeah i just think it's so important to highlight these stories and to um remember that that actually this woman's paying you to anticipate and advocate and speak the fuck up not to silently watch someone be cut against their will right exactly exactly yeah it's just it's one of those things where now in the doula community being certified is more important than mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and building way. how about the the building bridges oh yeah <laughs> and let's be friends yeah, the day the day oh. that I hear a doctor talk about building bridges, I will also start to talk about it. But as far as I know, it's only doulas and midwives talking about building bridges. I don't hear any doctors talking about it. No, no, they don't love us because we're in the way. <sighs> so that's yeah. hardcore. So you, you, yeah. you are treated horribly in this first birth and now and then you become a doula and go back to that hospital wow that's like a whole nother side conversation that's hardcore um yeah yeah it was interesting and after the birth um where this mom did not get cut uh, the doula or not sorry the, the doctor uh came up to me and she's like you look familiar and i was oh. like yeah <laughs> yes i wonder why did you and tell her yeah, I did. I was like, you cut my vagina <gasps> at my first birth. And then just mic dropped and left it at that. <laughs> it was just what did of, she say? Of, it, nothing. Nothing. It was the most awkward moment ever. But inside, I'm fist pumping myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take it. <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was awesome. So you are pregnant with your twins. They cut you from their care because of a total variation of normal that nobody trusts. And so they now say, sorry, lady, but you have to go back to the place of abuse and trauma. And you're like freaking out. Absolutely. And it's not even just going to the place. It's um, a mandatory operating room birth with, a four-person NICU team for each baby on top of the doctor, the resident, a nurse for me, and a nurse for each baby. Because in theory, they are going to support the attempt of a vaginal birth? Oh, in theory. Right. Of the first baby. The second baby. It's like, well, hopefully the second baby will be born 
possible. Wow. Chances are not good. <sighs> it's ridiculous. They don't, they classify um, fraternal twins in the same category as monochorionic, monoamniotic twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no differentiation in their processes. Um, so we got booted from the system, from the midwifery system immediately. And it was transferred over to an obstetrician. Everything. So I panicked. Yeah, of course. I know, I know what's ahead of me and I know what that will look like for my babies. And it's, it's awful. Mm. There's no part of me that wants that birth for my babies. Well, it's, me, a, C-se- it's a C-section. Uh, absolutely. Guaranteed. And not even just a C-section. It's um a labor on my back. It's a probably a full labor. Right. And a vaginal birth. And then a C-section where I'm under general. My babies will be put in NICU because they're twins. They'll be put in NICU. That's just, they take them for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not the start that they need. There's no, there's no way. I, I not once doubted my body's ability to birth these babies. To carry them to full term, there was nothing. It was the birth and what other people were going to be doing while I was trying to birth them safely. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, and so I was literally, I was up till three in the morning every night researching, talking to other people about how I could loop the system. If I could find a loophole and have my midwife there, if I could get a midwife who would attend the birth at the hospital even, but in a birthing unit, in an actual birthing room, not the OR. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to figure out if I could do that, if I could fight to not have the NICU in the room, staring at my vagina while these babies were being born. And none of these loopholes I was finding were being, um, I guess, proving worthwhile. At a certain point, me and my husband were talking one day, and he looked at me, and he's like, just stay home. Like, you, your body knows what to do. You know what to do. Just stay home. There's no need for all of this stress. And I, I don't know if it was um, just not hearing that I'm not in crazy for wanting to have these babies at home, because... Inside, that's all I wanted was yeah. to stay home. And um, but just hearing my husband say it—that's huge. Was like, like you're not you're not insane for thinking that this is normal and that um, twins are not something to be horribly feared. Um, and I'm only probably 11 weeks pregnant at this point. So right. I barely had to digest the fact that we're having two babies. It was panic mode for me. Sure. Did you ever? Yeah. Yeah, so I eventually set my mind, well, immediately after that conversation, was like, no, yeah, we're staying home, and it will be an unassisted birth, it will be, it will be fine, everything will be fine, Um, and then I just set off throughout the pregnancy on that. I, I did spend a lot of time asking, or not asking, I guess, um, making administration of the obstetric 
department aware that there were failings in mom. Good. <laughs> yeah. And I wrote so many emails and called them and was like, okay, so why can't I have a midwife there? And why can't I do all of this? With no plans on actually going to the hospital, but just planting those seeds of there's women who want more, who don't want this birth that you're like, there's no other option. And so you were, were you pretty out about your choice to free birth twins? Yeah, I, everyone knew, everyone knew around me. Um, I still went along with my OB Mm. and with my, um, for my husband and for me, mostly for my husband. I'm sorry, honey, if you're listening. What? Um, I said, I'm sorry, honey, if you're listening. I... <laughs> well, wait, so he he's down with you free birthing twins, but he still wants yeah. uh, you to see a doctor? I don't get it. He wanted to know that we were in the best sure. situation when it came to things, which I I understand and I'm comfortable with. Um, so that's just how it went and so at my OB appointments I was like yeah sure let's uh let's talk first because I want to know how you feel about this and what your plan is for this hypothetical birth that is going to happen um and it just every appointment it just reinforced more and more and more there's no way you're getting me there (laughs) it's not happening so Um, you would tell them like, I'm not actually coming here in labor? Yeah. It's like, I, I might I might stay home. I birth really quickly. Who knows? I might just... Yeah, so I kind of left it open. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a certain level where if you are entirely open about it, um, and just like 100%, no, I'm staying home. Um, they could drop you. They could send CPS to your baby. They could just wreak havoc on your last couple months of pregnancy. For sure. That's why I was kind of surprised that you were. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I wasn't entirely outright, but everyone knew that it was a possibility. Um, I had discussions with my OB about, okay, so say I stay home. How would I get my birth registration? (laughs) possibly um so it wasn't um, yeah so I went to all of my appointments and we we fought over things which was fine she started offering me injections at 36 weeks mm-hmm. which was just obscene to me and obviously didn't go further um, and so around 37 it is it is really sorry to interrupt it is really obscene because i mean obviously induction is so whack and for twins yeah. we already know that they are more susceptible to come on the earlier side and and then to induce right. them even earlier before their lungs are developed i mean it's all 
money too, right? Like, of course they're going to spend three months in the freaking NICU. Of course they're going to need all of this help. So we might as well just TikTok start the freaking process. It's just so, so, so yeah. disrespectful. Oh, totally. It absolutely is. Um, I don't know if I mentioned earlier, but in our, in our birthing hospital here, they just switched things so that there's an on-call obstetrician and that's it. You can't, you can no longer have your own OB come in for a birth. So there's zero continuity. Of it's care. it's literally yeah. the worst care available. It's, like it's, it's yeah, so, it, you're, it's, it's, it's a, a it's assembly thing. line, right? Like it's, it's factory farming. It is. It is like they won't even come in now when you go into labor. Gross. It, if they're on shift. Yeah. It's just, it's disgusting. So not going to happen. <laughs> Definitely not going there. Um, yeah. So once I hit 37 weeks, I was having a disgusting amount of prodrome labor. <laughs> it was, it was just the worst. Um, I ended up having a good 12 hours of labor ahead of the time. And it, I was con- like, those contractions were real. They were slow. So it felt weird, but they were manageable. So I, you know, it's like, it's, it's twins. Who knows? Maybe I will have a 48 hour labor. I don't know. Um, so I had called my birthing team at this point and my team consisted of, my friends who are two are doulas um and I had another another friend who was wanting to be taking pictures for me and so I called them and they came and we hung out my husband made food we took walks around the block and it was just not going down and eventually it petered out as the sun came up as it always does and they stopped and it was emotionally near one of the hardest days ever. I was so tired at this point and so done being pregnant with these two babies that it was just, it was crushing to have those contractions stop. Hmm. Um, it was sad for me. I was, I, I don't even know how much we were doing at this point, but my belly was massive I don't think I gained weight anywhere else other than my stomach and it was like it was huge my husband had to help me roll over to get out of bed to go pee every hour in the middle of the night and it I mean it was okay I was still moving and I was going for walks with the dog every day and doing all of these things that apparently you're never supposed to do with them and so by that time, by the time labor had stopped at 37 weeks, I was just kind of, I was beaten down. Aww. So I took, yeah, it was really sad. But the next week I spent a lot of the time with friends and with other women in the birthing community who, they, they made that last week tolerable. <laughs> it was, it was amazing to see everyone come together and support me through that. And so I made it to 38 weeks, which was 
it was amazing. Hmm. Those babies to 38, I was hmm. so happy. I was planning on rebirthing them anytime from 35 weeks and on. We would have been okay in in our comfort levels to stay home. And so to get to that point, yeah. this huge weight off my shoulders. Yeah, those are healthy little babies. Oh, they were they were so healthy. I think the the longest uh, home birth, the the longest normal spontaneous twins birth I've attended, she was, I think, a day shy of forty one. That's amazing. And they were like, they, she didn't even look that huge, and I think they were like both like around seven pounds. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, mine were seven and a half and seven pounds. Nice. Yeah, I think that's what hers were too. I love it. Okay, so you get to 38, you're feeling like, okay, the babies are great. It's happening. Yeah, Yeah, I was, by that point, my sad week had ended. Nice, nice. You got to go through it. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm 38. I'm going to make it to 40. Let's do it. Let's do it. This is great. I had a bloody show. I was like, nope, it's not going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pregnant for the full 40 with these guys. So I went to a women's circle that I was a part of. And I spent the evening with my beautiful friends talking and laughing. And one of my doulas, who is also a really dear friend, she drove me home. And then she drove the hour home. She lives an hour in the town. So she drove the hour home and I went to bed at 1.45. I wake up to go pee and go do every hour. As soon as I stand up, my water breaks, but with like a, the thud of baby A, her head macking into my pelvis. It was the most insane feeling. And immediately I was like, oh, okay, it's going down now. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So I called my my friend who had driven an hour away. She had just called into bed. So I said, you need to come back now. This is going to go quickly. I called to my husband and told him to get the pool and start filling it up. because Our little old water heater might need, it might need a little while. So I called my other doula. Everyone, I text everyone, let them know what's going on. Um, about half an hour later, the first contraction hit. And it is dropping me to the floor. I'm like, okay, this is how it's going to go. It's going to go fast. So I text everyone. I'm like, you guys, it's, like, it's happening. And it's happening like real quick. And so I had all of these people who were going to be at our free birth, not, not as, um, like, hands-on, but as, like, okay, you need to hold baby A if I'm going to drop her in the water. You need to hold baby B if I need to get out of the water. And just all of these, like, logistical mm-hmm. things. I was like, there's too many babies, and I don't have enough hands. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need you guys just just nearby to catch one if something happens. <laughs> and so my women are coming and my candles are being lit and my music is put on and being just space held 
for me to do what I need to do. And everyone knows, just let me do what I need to do. You're there to catch a baby if I'm going to drop it. And so contractions are clipping along very quickly. Um, I had been pretty confident that it was going to go quickly, but it took me off guard how quickly it would go. Mm -hmm. So how long was it from beginning to end? Uh, from first contraction to the second baby was an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, snap. It was. Girl, that is crazy. Right. Wow. Like, I just don't even. I expected an hour in between baby A and baby B. Right, right. Totally. But no one's pushing syntocin. No one is rushing me. Baby B will take his time. No, it was like. Wham bam, it was insane. Wow, so I checked myself because I just make sure there's no cord, nothing funky going on after like before baby eating. I just do a quick little check, she's right there. Okay, <laughs> we need to get in the tub right now. So I hopped into my pool. Another contraction, I didn't know the sex at this point, but I like. They say that the baby's soul joins anytime before birth, right? Or after birth, even. Um, and I felt the moment that she connected. It was like a, an instant. She's coming. I know it's her. And I know that she's here. And she's made the decision to be born mm-hmm. right now. And so in that moment, her neck, she did her little flexion. And she was born into my arms and it was it was incredible it was amazing where are you in your bedroom I'm in my pool in my dining room oh in the water okay yeah I'm in the water at that point um Mm. yeah so I go to bring her up and out of the water into my chest and she has her cord wrapped around her neck which is fine I unwrap it I cuddle her her transition is a little slower, which is fine. Like the, the moment of her birth is respected. There is no light. There is no suctioning, nothing, none of that. We just, her eyes were fluttering open. Hmm. I was holding her away from me. So we were making as much eye contact as a newborn can make. Um, and it was just peaceful. She was taking her time working her fluid out and her transition took probably around a minute to a minute and a half um, for her to, to get ready to take that big breath. Um, and it was, it was amazing. It was, that was the moment that I, that I, that's why I was bursting at him without anyone there was for her to do that. Hell yeah. Oh, it, oh, it was just, it was so good. It was so good. <laughs> and, so, and then are you like, like, oh, right, there's another one. <laughs> not until the contraction hit. Like, oh, I have to do it again. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so so she's out. And then how many minutes until that contraction, you think? Uh, it was about 20. It was about 20 minutes. Oh, that's nice. You got You got a second. I got a break. But it was, you know, after birth you feel complete, right? You have your baby. 
you can breathe again. <laughs> there was no, there was no breathing, right? It's just the energy in the room. It was peaceful. Right. The work was not done. Yeah. Wait, so if your whole birth was just over an hour and they were 20 minutes apart from, so your first, she was out the shoot in 40 minutes ish. Um, yeah. Yeah. Basically she was 50 minutes. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was super fast. Thank God you were planning a home birth. Well, seriously, (laughs) like I wouldn't have made it anyway. Yeah. You would have had little parking lot babies. Yeah, totally. It would have been awful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so baby girl's out and you get 20 minutes. And are you still in the water when that contraction for for the next baby starts? Yeah, yeah. So we're just cuddling in the water. Get a little towel wrapped around her. And it was just, it was peaceful and candlelit and beautiful. And then all of a sudden, the worst. (laughs) I've ever had in my life on my poor no. <laughs> shrink around baby B and it was it was the wildest feeling ever to feel it go from like two baby size to one baby size mm, and then shrink around his little body and I felt him flip because he had been transverse this whole time so I felt him flip mm. um, and it just kind of hoped that he was, you know, he'll figure it out. I know he'll figure it out, but I'm like, just, just make it. So <laughs> I want to pause there for a second because that's very important. I heard you say that the second baby was transverse and then and then he flipped. So when because you were, I assume, getting ultrasounds and seeing the doctor and stuff, like, did you have... Uh, any concern around the position? I mean, I love that you're saying this because it is so rare that a baby stays transverse. Um, but some babies are transverse until labor and that, that, that is true. And then sometimes, you know, uh, and well, and then I should say most of the time they, they certainly flip into a birthable position because, uh, biology and, and nature. But so what, how did that feel for you to have that awareness heading into your birth at home with no medical assistance? Um, to be honest, it, I, it, it wasn't even crossing my mind. Okay. It was, um, I trusted him entirely. Um, I got a lot of fear from the medical community about this position I'm of baby sure. B. Yeah. How it was a crash C-section if he didn't move and how, uh, if we were to birth in the hospital, mm. there would be an ultrasound immediately. And there would be two nurses holding my baby through my womb um, and holding him in place. And they would be flipping him into the place that he needs to be, according to them. Um, and it was just, it was entirely, in my mind, it was ridiculous because he he's transverse because there's no room. Mm-hmm. In there. Right. Right. Um, and he'll figure it out. He'll have a whole room to play in. Right. Exactly. It's such a good point. Yeah. So it it wasn't even really a concern to me. I was more concerned about, um, well, if he comes breech, then I mean, rem- I needed to remind myself to pop up onto my hands and to get upright if mm. I was 
holding the baby. It was just, that was my only concern with that. Um, I knew that even if he was transferred, he would figure it out or we would figure it out together. Um, it wasn't going to be, uh, it wasn't going to be an issue with us. And so I didn't really. Yeah. Give him much energy. Yeah, not really. There was more stuff that I was concerned about. I knew pretty much my whole pregnancy that bleeding would be an issue for me. Hmm. Uh, Why do you say that? I just knew. I just knew there was just something, something in the back of my mind that not to like manifest it, but it was more so like, uh, okay, there's two babies. There's two placenta sites. I'm creating extra blood for this extra baby in my body. Um, it's not going to feel great after. <laughs> I just, it was just something that I kind of felt would mm-hmm. be in our journey together. And it, it didn't scare me. Um, it was just kind of like, okay, there it is. Was bleeding, postpartum bleeding kind of your big, your big, uh, not even fear just awareness or or like what else held your held your focus around any potential fears or concerns about it no I think that was I mean there was the concern with baby B that he would have a little bit of a harder time with the transition um with his newborn transition because he was going to be birthed so quickly after the first baby mm, that mm-hmm. I anticipated him not getting as much juicy contractions as her to get her going. Um, so that was the biggest thing in my mind, the, the bleeding. Um, it didn't, it didn't scare me. It was almost like, um, not an expected happening, but more of a, um, I, I just keep circling back to intuition. It was such an important process with these twins was my intuition and my relationship with that. Um, sure. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think it was a big fear of mine and that I kind of feared it into existence. Mm-hmm. So just, um, it was just kind of a, it was just kind of there and I needed to know how to handle it if it did happen, but it was yeah. never scary like I would never birth these babies because we could bleed out sorry you cut out say that last line again um I said it was never something that was kind of in the back of my mind like I I would bleed out if I had these babies at home gotcha it was never uh, you know okay so baby B flips from transverse into a good birthing position that was kind of where we left off yeah, so baby B flipped, um, and in one swift contraction, he engaged, and he twisted. Oh, my and God. He, <laughs> it was insane to feel him flip around and do his little thing. And I'm still holding A at this point, and I'm kind of, like, reclined on my bum. So the contraction was just awful. <laughs> it was just awful being reclined. I wanted to be on my hands and knees or up, upright. Um, and I ended up, I looked at my sister and was like, you need to get in, you need to get in and catch this baby because I don't want to give baby A away. I don't want anyone else to hold her Mm. moving. 
I'm not going to be able to catch baby B here. <laughs> You're going to have to hop in the pool and just catch him. So my sister, in all of her amazingness, hopped in with her cute little romper on <laughs> into the birth pool and basically just guided his head up to me so I could grab him out of the water. And he was born so quickly hmm. that he came out just pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was great. He was fine. He was raring to go. And, yeah, so they were both out. And I had this, like, holy shit. There's two babies. <laughs> they just came out of my body. It was amazing. I have a picture of my face after. And it's what you imagine a kid coming off of a roller coaster. Mm. Just, like. Yes, we did it. This is like they made it here. They're safe. They're in my arms. No one is taking them away. And hmm. they're oh, they're respected. They were trusted. We did it. This was it was that moment of like you know, we would be good and we are good. Everything was great. Beautiful. It was, oh, it was so good. It was so good. And then, yeah, we hung out and we cuddled. We ended up um, getting out of the water. I was bleeding quite a bit by this point. <laughs> I mean, two placentas. That's how did, a lot of stuff. Yeah, and how were you feeling? I was feeling good. I was feeling okay at this point. Um, it was quite a bit of blood in the pool. And I was like, well, okay. One and, of my doulas, that's like, let's just get you out so we can see it. Yeah. And were your placentas out? No, they weren't at okay. this point. Um, I, what I imagine happening is a lot of blood from A's placenta releasing before B, baby B came. Um, that just came out after baby B came. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't too concerned. Um, and once I got out of the pool and moved over to the living room, I did leave quite a bit before the placentas were out. Um, and I was feeling okay. But then after a while, I started to feel pretty shocky, um, which wasn't a super great feeling. But again, we all kind of expected it. Mm -hmm. um, it was one of those things we had discussed before. Like getting out of the water and going to dry land, that alone can make you feel pretty crappy after mm -hmm. you get birth. Totally. Right? Yeah. Um, having two babies, that alone <laughs> is the system. I just let go of 15 pounds. Wow. <laughs> My body's not going to, you know, it's going to take a minute to recalibrate. Adjust. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of like, there was an, an, an immense amount of fluid. My blood volume was way bigger than what it would be with just a single baby. And so it, it, it is what it is. Um, once the placentas came out, the bleeding didn't necessarily stop. I was passing quite a few big clots. And I, by this point, I had um, passed out once. Um, and so when I woke up, it was like, I, let's just make a call. My, my, my uterus at this point is, it's firming up and the bleeding is slowing. But let's just make the call. To have EMTs there if we need. 
Um, so the EMTs got there. And everything did, was did expected. you kind of in the back of your head, like, kind of always think you'd probably do that? Um, I, I don't think I really anticipated calling. Um, I kind of anticipated the shocky feeling um, just with two babies. Mm-hmm. That whole thing, I kind of just anticipated feeling not super great. Um, but the calling kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop. And I think that fear um, didn't necessarily help slow the bleeding as much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, once they got there, the bleeding had stopped. Um, and they were obviously, everyone showed up. The fire truck showed mm-hmm. up. Oh, yeah. It's very dramatic. Oh, my God. Two babies were just born at home. Like, 15 people piled into my living room. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's all good. I feel better. And so then what happened? Well, and then they. And they just came, they took my blood pressure and we were kind of chatting and <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. I think I passed out another time while they were there. Um, it, again, fine. And at that point, everything had kind of stabilized. My bleeding had stopped. Um, and they, I consented to a saline with them there. We weren't going to transfer right away. We were okay. There was nothing going on. But the saline was like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's just pump that back up a little bit. Um, so we did that. And then um, I was feeling, I was feeling good. I was feeling fine. Um, but I also knew that at some point in the next week, I would have to go um, do a get my hemoglobin check. Say that so again. I I knew that within the first week I would want to go get my hemoglobin. Check. Oh, hemoglobin, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I was I lost quite a bit of blood at that point, so I was like, well, okay. Should I transfer? Should I just go tomorrow? And. We ultimately decided to transfer to go. Um, oh, right after the babies were born? Um, no, it was like an hour and a half after they were born. Um, we ended up, like my bleeding had stopped and they're like, we're fine leaving you here. And I was like, well, that's great. Um, we could have stayed home. I also, I had a little bit of a tear. Not a little bit. It was a second degree on my perineum where my episiotomy split open again, which is just lovely. And just knowing that I had two bigger kids at home and twins, I knew that I wasn't necessarily going to be able to sit with some nori strips and let that heal as it should. So I was kind of wanting to get it um, looked at or stitched up within the next day so we ended up transferring to the hospital about an hour and a half after the babies were born um, which was a ginormous waste of time which was what 
a, a ginormous waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. Which it, it, it's okay. I don't necessarily regret it. I got my blood checked and found out that my hemoglobin was incredibly low, um, which obviously. It would but be. like, okay, so uh, I say this totally lovingly, but like, didn't you already anticipate that? And so therefore, yeah. like, what are they going to do about it? Like, if you already anticipated that, you could still do all of the blood building, you know, healthy, yeah. normal things you were probably going to do anyway. Like, why, why was it important to you to get it checked? Kind, it, it, and I'm, I'm only pointing this out because it sounds like you already knew. Yeah, I did. I totally did. I was actually taking um, chlorophyll and eating an insane amount of kale and leafy greens and red meat before I even gave birth. Um, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I want to say it's just for the, that part of me that really like, no, I guess. Um, I just wanted to have it in my mind. I, I, I'm not entirely yeah, it's okay. I, I, I actually, I really, I love your story because, well, for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I love your story is that you, you only really free birthed because y you had to, because our culture doesn't support it. And so that's so badass that you were like, I know what, what's going to happen at the hospital and my children deserve better. And so I'm doing this. And yet at the same time, you also weren't like how, you know, some women in the free birth community are like hardcore out of the system. They don't go to pediatricians. They don't go to obstetricians. They don't get ultrasounds. They don't vaccinate. Like they're completely not a part of the system. And I love this story because it, it, it is so variable and there are so many ways to this path. And it, you know, I, I like that your story for your choices and your intuition and what you needed um, and, and your compromises and whatever, even if it's different things than I would have chosen or someone else that you, you know, your way was you did prenatal care in the system and you, you know, birthed in power these, these, this sacred experience at home. And even though there was obviously still some allegiance to whatever it was that you felt like the hospital was going to offer you, even though you still in the same breath can say it was a waste of time, you know, but it was okay. Like that was what you wanted to do for your calculations. And, um, do you know what I mean? I, I think it's just, it's, it's yeah, cool yeah. to point this out because it's, it's not like everyone has to be so hardcore, totally outside of the system, never engage in any way you know, there's, yeah, there's also this. Using... Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. I just mean, no, there's yeah, totally. free birth. There's so many different ways and so many different paths that lead you to that choice. And, um, and that you, just... and that you would have preferred, um, a, a, you know, a midwife, you know, the, the whole setup you could have had, you were going to do again. And because the system's so jacked, you, you know, we're put in this fairly impossible situation of return to your abusers or, you know, or yeah. birth and power at home, like you knew your babies deserved. And you did that. Um, even though that wasn't 
like your first choice that, you know, your first choice would have been, it sounds like to have had that midwife, but that you did get pushed into making a pretty hardcore decision. You know, it's obviously everyone knows that it's not like a simple thing to, um, to choose kind of an even more radical decision. I mean, although for me, things like breach and twins would make me even more committed to birthing at home um, because you and I know how they're treated at the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. It's pathologized. Yeah. There's no need for for normal birth to be treated like that. So did Um, they, they, so you went in because you wanted to be sutured and you wanted your blood tested and you, you got the IV fluids. Um, Did babies stay with you? Oh yeah, yeah. Good. I wouldn't touch them. They, um, for me, it was it was just to get me checked, mm-hmm. so could then go home and deal with my four kids. So they were not um, admitted. No, no, they were not. Um, they, I was holding them, and the nurse didn't like the way my daughter, um, baby A, sounded. She was pretty rattly, and. Um, and she's like, I would really like to just listen to her lungs. I'm like, you, dude, she's fine. It, you don't know what normal babies' lungs right. sound like because you just shove a tube down them and suck anything else. It mm. sounds not pleasant to you. Um, yeah, so I, I got many ugly stares and many discussions about how they needed to check the babies. I'm like, they're fine. You're only here. I'm your patient. Mm-hmm. They're not. I'm only here to get my blood checked. No, you're not admitting me to maternity. Just please throw a stitch in it. And I'm going to go home now. And so two hours later, we packed up and we went home. Nice. Yeah, it was, it was fine. And I, um, I don't feel like I regret the decision to go in. Um, I know full well there was absolutely no need to go in. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, it is, it's different when it's your choice and you pulled off, you know, I mean, I don't know if you ever heard my birth story, but I, I went in to get checked after a long labor and then I left. And, you know, it, yeah. it, it was... Um, it's different when it's when it's our choice and when we're using the system as it's meant to be used. Um, but I also so appreciate that in the same breath you can say, "While I don't regret it, I also didn't need it because it's the same for me." I I certainly don't regret getting checked at freaking nine and a half centimeters, but I also <laughs> I also did not need to do that. And so I I yeah I love that we can both kind of acknowledge both things. Yeah. And that's just it. Using the system when you need to use it as it's meant to be used. And it's fine. There's no need to feel shame or beat yourself up about going in, but it's nice to also be like, it was a waste of time. I could have stayed home. We're both so lucky that it, it did get, you know, it unfolded in a way that, remained respectful to both of us because that's not always the case, right? Like things, terrible yeah. things could have happened by bringing two little newies, you know, into the hospital and, and bat, you know, it could have not gone that way. Yeah. So it's, yeah, absolutely. and so I got to ask, like, if you were to do it again, would you have stayed home? 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have wasted my time. Yeah. Going in, I, uh, as soon as I went in, I had this awful, awful obstetrician who, um, who gave me the, uh, the, the tight vagina talk. Ew, what? Oh, I know. I know. So we were discussing the degree of the tear that was going down and how many stitches she needed to put in. And I was like, no, you just repair it. Like just, I only want it stitched up where it split along my scar tissue. That's all I want. I knew I went in knowing what the situation looked like down there and what I wanted done. And she did not like that. And she's like, well, I can just put one at the top because if we don't repair it further, your husband's going to notice. <gasps> oh, my God. That's the most disgusting shit ever. Oh, and I kicked her out of that room so fast. It's like, lady, you are in the wrong room to be pulling that shit. And so I kicked her out. And, yeah, it was just, it was one of those moments where like, holy fuck. They just don't change ever. For sure not. The only, yeah, the only thing that changes is that we believe in the system. (laughs) (laughs) That's what changes. I am confusing. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. I love that you were only there for a couple hours. It didn't have to stay the night or anything. Oh, no, 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 no. We, uh, yeah, we didn't even get settled into a room or anything. We just basically, it was just for me to be, to take a breath almost after I got, I got my stitches within the first like 45 minutes of being there. And it was like, well, my mom is on her way with a booster juice, (laughs) with a smoothie. Mm -hmm. I would really like her to bring that here and I want to drink it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to drink it and then I'm going to go home because it'll take me longer to get that smoothie and she has to go home. So I basically just stayed there for extra time to eat. <laughs> and awesome. We went, and how old are your twins now? Oh, they're 15 months. Aw. 15 months now, and they're just so busy. And how, so- how were they as babies? Were they, like, pretty contented? Yeah, honestly, they were, they were the easiest um we we veg there with all of our kids and it was just kind of they just fit right in they they slept they breastfed great they they're just happy peaceful little things and it was it was honestly um my my favorite um newborn period Mm. probably the hardest I want to say, um, but also my favorite. I mean, having there's something special about having your your third and fourth. Um, I know for me at least, just feeling really confident. Yeah, and, yeah. Just I'm totally fine to just pull in my bed naked for three weeks. Um, well, and no you one. just yeah, you just totally birth on your terms and are probably feeling like such a badass and so, so proud of yourself, which, you know, that's important. That is how you should feel after you birth. Not to say you didn't feel that with the second baby, but, um, you know, to not have any piece of it taken from you or, um, just the whole thing happening on your terms, you know, how could that not lend itself to, 
um, a great postpartum. It, it absolutely, it did. Like I felt in charge mm-hmm. of everything. I felt no, um, like no need to be handing over power to anyone else in that full postpartum. It was, no one is coming to meet them. We're, we're staying in bed. We're nursing. I've got this. And it, it was it. just, it was the best postpartum. Hmm. Um, I, yeah, it was entirely from trusting that. And I know that um, that birth was perfect for them the way that it was supposed to be. They were, they were healthy and they were beautiful and they took to breastfeeding so well. And it was just one of those, those moments because having twins, 95% of the, the information that is out there mm-hmm. or the stories that are being shared are oh, so heartbreaking to read. But C-sections and NICUs and it's just, as a twin mom, you're just wanting to, find comfort in the normalcy of it and it was it was just a nice totally oh beautiful thank you for doing your part to normalize what is normal which are twins and and twin births and breastfeeding twins and vaginal birth and just this story will go a long way thank you for taking the time tonight to share it oh thanks for having me that's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.